So we're going to begin our series in living the life. Uh, and as a point of looking back, in, in January, we talked about life together. And that phrase was part of a Bonhoeffer book. But life together should be meaningful. And we, we gave you an acrostic to remember life by. And so when you think of life groups, it's a way to think about it. L means we all have a longing to be fulfilled. We, we, there's loneliness in this room. There's separation in this room. And we all have a desire to be together deep down. You might not think you have it, but you have it. So there's a longing. And then I stands for inspiration. We are inspired by the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Apart from those, we can't do anything. It's got to be the Word of God and the Spirit of God together. They don't disagree with each other. Can we agree with that? The Spirit's not going to tell you something that contradicts the Word of God. It's not going to do it. And the Word of God is just going to emphasize everything that the Spirit is saying. It's going to confirm that for you. So we believe that is the inspiration. And then F is fellowship. Fellowship doesn't mean Lone Ranger sitting at home watching a, a TV evangelist. Lone, uh, fellowship means getting together, getting in the mud, and doing life together. And then E is sort of equipped to serve. That we get together, we're fired up, we're going to talk about it today, and we begin living the life together. And so I hope to push against those internal mechanisms, and I would say spiritual, bad spiritual mechanisms that keep us from believing God in this. And so again, if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Almost feel like doing the obligatory joke. If you want a sorry, a salty joke to say, you know, uh, who makes coffee in heaven or who should make coffee? It should be the man because he brews. That is a bad, bad joke of the day. I know that was bad. I knew it was bad and I knew that was coming. But um, the importance of this is in chapter 10. Hebrews is one of my favorite books of the Bible. If you haven't spent time in it, you see what Jesus accomplished. You get the fullness of understanding. It starts to build, and it builds, and it builds. And we're not going through Hebrews yet, but today we're in Hebrews 10. And in Hebrews 10, it talks about Christ's sacrifice once and for all. It puts a capstone. There is no longer any sacrifices to be made. There is no longer any sheeps, sheep and bull and goats and dove and all that stuff. There's no more sacrifice because Jesus, on the cross, once and for all, he accomplished everything. And you might say, what did he accomplish? God, in his uh, perfect community, he, and, and what it says in Peter, it says, God says that um, none are righteous, no, not one, and that we are all called to be holy. And I would say here, who here is perfectly holy? And I, I, we're going to do an honesty test here. No one raising their hand yet? No testimony shared, right? So none of us have that. And so we live this life of trying for perfection, at least I did. You sort of try to earn God's favor, and you want to do it. And even though you know theologically it's not right, it's like, God, I want to be pleasing. I want to do the right thing. And then you just sort of get on track, and you start doing things on your own. And you forget that Jesus accomplished everything. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left 
a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. That's what he did. And so as a Christian, if you're not a Christian, we're, we're glad you're here. We want you to ask questions, and, and, and uh, you're just invited here. We love that you're here. As Christians, we believe that we are imperfect people, and quite frankly, sometimes we're hypocritical. Anyone, yeah, we've got a couple of us to slide our hands up, right? Sometimes we don't live the way we say we're going to do. So we are not perfect, and sometimes we're hypocritical, but by faith, we put our hope in God, and we ask him to change us from the inside out. So it is not a moral uh, therapeutic deism where I just try harder, I just try to be better. I, I'm just gonna, today I'm going to try with all my heart to read three chapters of the Bible, to not be angry today. Ugh. I know some of you have done it. You know, you gear yourself up. I'm going to be good today. That manager at work, I'm going to be nice today. That teacher at school, I'm going to be nice today. I'm not going to say what I really want to say. But what really happens is we create a mini-God in ourselves. And we try to do things in the flesh. And we fall on our face and then we question. We question because our strength is not enough. And so Hebrews reminds us that Jesus paid the price once and for all and that his sacrifice was good for us and because of it we stand blameless before God not to just do what we want to do and hang out and have Christian Cheers Church, but we're called to live the life, to live the life. And so today, briefly, we're going to talk about living the life. So uh, if you just turn again to your Bibles, and we're going to start at verse 19. And in verse 19, you'll see the first word, it says, therefore, therefore, and so I don't have time to go what the therefore was. I sort of briefly did it just now. But all that was before is what this is there for. It's, it's giving you a connection. That was there for this. So therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us, through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. We talked about that in Mark, that it was through Jesus. Jesus was the curtain that was torn apart. Yes, there was a physical curtain in the temple, but Jesus was the spiritual temple that was rent. And, uh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, not a pastor of a church, not a, a, any other priest, but we have the high priest, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So right here, the first part of this is saying, let us draw near to God. And so that is our attempt. When we come and worship together, I don't know, if you had a pulse today, if you couldn't sense just the the power of the Spirit of God in here this morning, 
you know, just we come near and we draw near to God. That's why we come here this morning. That's why people commit hours of their week to to practice worship time so we can come and worship. Is that all worship is? No, but it is a piece of living the life. And so we draw near to God. So it says, let us, 22, draw near with a true heart. Conversely, or what that's saying is that we have a heart that is deceitfully wicked above all things and who can know it? Jeremiah. We come near with a heart that has been exchanged with a true heart, the one that's given to us by God in full assurance of faith. So it's by faith. It's by faith. We come to worship by faith. Help my heart believe. That's faith. That's not help me wing it one more time. It's like make my heart believe. Make my heart believe. Make my heart believe in faith, God. I want to believe Fully. So it says, come near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with their hearts sprinkled clean from what Jesus did once and for all, from the evil consciousness. Do you all have a bad conscience in here? Now, we can have someone raise their hand. I'm going to raise mine. You, can, you don't have to raise yours, but I'm going to raise my hand because I am quick to condemn myself. I am quick to condemn myself, and, some, and I'm also quick to condemn others. So I've got, I've got both things working in my head. I am harder on myself than I am others, but I am quick to condemn myself, and then therefore I see the things in other people. And there's a wrestling with that and in the, in the gifts that God has given me. But there are those things together, and it says that your heart should be sprinkled from this evil conscience. So we come together, we come to God to have that evil conscience removed and to see his fullness and to see his depth. And so we stand in the light, and we're just like, there's no evil conscience anymore. When we're before God and we're open, there's no more guilt. There's no more shame. And that's what it means to be in all of God, to draw near to him. And I hope that you are experiencing that. I hope that you're not trying to do things just to please him so he'll love you more or bless you more, but that you are doing it out of obedience and out of thanksgiving for what he's accomplished for you. So let us draw near to God by faith. So you're going to see here the three things Faith, hope, and love. The first one was faith. Verse 23, Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So if uh, you've ever ran track and ever done this before, ever handed off the baton, You'll be shocked to know this. I ran track in high school. I ran the 800 relay, and I, I did it. And I'm not going to tell you my embarrassing moment, but it is one of those things to lay hold of it because no matter how fast you are, if you're geared up and you do this and you drop it and you keep running, right, is, are you going to win the race? Right? You're not going to win the race. You're going to drop the baton, and the whole crowd's going to go, oh, you dropped the baton. And you're going to keep running. Look at me. I know some of y'all remember what's happening in Rerun back from the 80s. You're just going to be running after the Christian bus without a baton. 
But it says, let us hold fast. We have to hold fast to the hope. You're not always going to feel like everything's together. And so as humans, we are going to have times of this, of this, of this. And, and when you're up here, you still hold fast to the hope, saying, God, don't let me get too proud. Don't let me get too arrogant. Don't let me think my marriage is together. Matter of fact, if you think your marriage is pretty good and you're not going to marriage conference because you got it going on, be careful because you're not holding fast. You want to hold fast to the hope without wavering. Without wavering. Jesus is my only hope. We don't rest to the left or to the right. We hold fast without wavering. I think the King James, the New King James said unswervingly. We don't deviate. We don't go our own way. We just hold fast to the hope. And then so we got faith, hope, and then sort of the main part for this morning. Let's courage one another to love. To love. Verse 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. To love. So encourage is one of these interesting Greek words that isn't just make me feel better today. It's not a my friendship with you is not always going to be make me feel better today. My good friends don't always make me feel better today. But sometimes the encouragement is a word that is a challenge and admonition and exhortation that is a two-edged sword of encouragement. One side cuts, the other uplifts. And so in Christ, in Christian relationship, living life together means that we are busy thinking about, considering, trying out, how can I encourage you to love? How can I encourage you to hold fast in hope? How can I encourage you to draw near to God? Remember, all that's there for what? Because Jesus did pay the price once and for all. I don't have to do it to save myself. I don't have to do it to earn God's favor, it is a part that flows up from within us. So let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting meeting together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So not neglecting to meet together means that there's a challenge within us to not want to meet, right? Because it's easy. It's easy not to commit to somebody. It's easy in these days to be non-committal. Matter of fact, I just think it's, and it's not just millennials. So some of you older people in here, and I'm considering myself an older person, don't look down on the millennials because a lot of older people are just as bad about commitment. Here's where I have a fun part, amen? (laughs) 
Whenever we look to push into someone else, we first first examine our own hearts. Not neglecting the meeting together. This is good. There's nothing wrong with this. We come here and, you know, we, we, we worship not only in singing, but in hearing God's word for us. This, we believe this is God's word. This is good. But then it gets real. You in smaller groups, and here's why life groups are here. Life groups are meant to encourage you to live the life together, to encourage one another to love, towards love, not towards condemning the world, not towards judging the world, not towards just separating from the world, but to love each other, which frankly is what the challenge is, and to love the world as well. But I want to ask a question, and this is where the participation part comes in. What prevents us, and I'm not talking about this morning, but what prevents us, if you're a Christian this morning, or even not, if you're not a Christian, what prevents you from getting real with somebody and, and exposing some of your heart and some of your struggles? Yes. Embarrassment. Yep. Embarrassment. Yes. Fear of being judged. Judge. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Shame. Fear of rejection. Absolutely. Some others? Fear of losing it in front of them? Yeah. Yeah, have you ever lost your stuff with somebody? If you're married, I know you have. Huh? Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Fear of people jibber-jabbering, gossip, right? Fear, fear, fear. So we're, shame, yes, someone says. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's real simple for me to have an internal argument with myself. Dear God, tomorrow, I'm going to be a better person. Tomorrow, I'm going to submit myself to authority in my life, and I'm going to allow other people to challenge my stuff gladly. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. <laughs> Ushers. Yeah. The sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow. And tomorrow's turn into weeks, months, years, decades. And as we discussed in early January, the world has become more and more lonely the more connected that it is. Because we isolate, we're embarrassed. But that is not the life that Jesus lived. He didn't go into a room and rightly, I mean, and just go in there and just, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. But he encouraged them to draw near to the Father. He touched and healed them, but he also pointed them to the Heavenly Father. And so as we do life together,
we are called to experience or to encourage one another to love. It's a different way to think about it. So I want to reword it. If we are not diligently encouraging those close to us to love their spouse, to love their kids, to love their coworkers, to love the students in school, to love their parents, to love this stuff, and we are just helping them get by, we are not being faithful to the Word of God. We're not being faithful. We're not living the life. We're living the lie. But all those things you said, and they were beautiful, and they were wise, and they were discerning, all those things you said help encourage us as humans to go, nope, I'm just not going to get hurt one more time. I've said it. I've said it. She got tired of getting hurt. Jesus, for some reason, and I know the reason, did not get tired of, he went to the Father. When people turned the other way, he went to the Father. When the disciples left him, he went to the Father. He was obedient to the will of the Father. So do we give ourselves an excuse, a buy that I'm not Jesus? So that was just Jesus. No. Jesus is calling us to take up his cross and to carry what he carried and to spread the word of the gospel, the good news, so that people can be freed of their bondage and so that they can be, experience the spirit of God and do life together. So we see that let us draw near to God in worship. Let us hold fast to hope without wavering. Let's not drop the baton of hope. We need hope. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We need hope. We need faith. But we're encouraged to give and encourage each other to love. So as these life groups start up, for one, I'm just going to say I want to encourage you, if you've been noncommittal, Let's just do it. There's a group that's meeting down the Sherwood that could use a few people. Uh, there's, a, there's a couple groups that are sort of out and about that are great people uh, that we would love to, to, for you to just dive in on and just say, you know what? I'm going to try to be biblical with my life. My other ways haven't worked. And if you're meeting with other people, we're not saying that our life group is the only thing. That's not what I'm saying. But we're called to do life together. So take a, take a walk this morning Go into the website and look at what's being offered and sign up. Take a chance. Will people fail you? Yes. We should not be surprised by that. But we have done our due diligence to train our group leaders and talk to them about having confidentiality in the group and not sharing what's going on inside the group. And we're not going like, to be pulling out your stuff either. It's going to be relational but there will be a time when it's going to lead to something deeper. That is our hope and our prayer. So we must have the faith, hope to encourage one another in love, to have life together. Call to encourage. Let's be obedient as Christians.
Let's be obedient in that. Let's stir up one another in a good way to do good works. Now, one way uh, this morning before we come to communion, today we are having a wonderful baptism, and we're thankful that the uh, O-dark, or the 16-degree, 9-degree weather has left us, and so we have, it's a blaze of glory out there, so uh, we're going to go out after communion, and we're going to walk outside to encourage our brother Wayne here to do good works. And it's just, it's just a start of the process, being with one another, living life together, experiencing hope and faith together, and encouraging one another to love. So I'm going to ask you that we're going to, I'm going to run up and change. Everyone's going to go change. Not everyone, but uh, we're going to go outside and we're going to have the baptism. I encourage you to just come out there and celebrate what God is doing in the life of one of his children. So let's just bow in prayer, please. Lord, as we come to the table and celebrate communion, Lord, and it's truly a celebration because Jesus once and for all was the perfect sacrifice. He came to bring light to our dark hearts to replace our dead heart and give us one that is after his. He came to obliterate shame. He came to encourage us to have faith and to have hope and to exhort to love. Lord, help us do that. Make my heart believe this morning, Lord. Just make it believe I can help someone love more. Help me believe that someone else can encourage me to love someone without me being offended. Make my heart believe, Lord. God, we love you. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for this table. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand. If you're a Christian this morning, we invite you. Uh, we're just gonna come forward, take of the elements, and we'll take them all together.